God has gifted us with life and every good thing. Generosity lies at the heart of God who calls us to emulate this divine beneficence. Joining God's life-giving work, please join me in the prayer for illumination. Holy God, your word is like fire. By the power of your spirit, illumine our sight and inflame our hearts that we may live lives more faithful to your will. Amen. Those whom God blesses are called to be salt and light for the world. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Some years before COVID struck, I received an anonymous letter from someone who frequented our sanctuary here. It begins, a note for Stephen Bauman, senior minister at Christ Church. I'm writing to tell you how your church has made an impact on my life for the last seven years. I work not too far from the church and would visit sometimes on my breaks for lunches. During the last seven years at this job, I have experienced some of the best times of my life, such as meeting my husband-to-be, the birth of nieces and nephews, to some of my worst, my father's heart attack, my grandmother dying, my mother-in-law's breast cancer. When I needed a safe place to think, pray, find hope, get space, I would go to your church and light a candle and look at the beautiful mosaics or write names down on your prayer cards. This might not seem out of the ordinary, but I am not a member of your church, or any church for that matter. I'm not one for organized religion, but I do like churches for their community aspect, their refuge, their being a gathering place for hope. I have found all those things at your church, and now that I am moving on to a new chapter in my life, I wanted to say thank you and would like to make this anonymous donation. Thank you to your church for being a place of happiness, hope, and solace. 
My dear friend also found the road to your church when she moved to New York, and she and I would discuss what a special place it is from our two different worlds, perspectives, faiths. I told her I wanted to thank your church for years now, and now that I will not be here much anymore since I'm moving on to a new career, it's time I did it. So there it is, a nutshell of how your church has been an important place to me, and I thank you for that. I hope this donation helps bring light into other lives. Of course, this is as much your church as it is my church. Our anonymous friend could just as easily have addressed her letter to each of you who have thrown in with Christ Church. That's a good reason to pass on the thank you. Every so often I have received this sort of correspondence and it's useful for you to know that if you're a contributing member here, you minister in ways you hardly suspect. This points to how Christ Church has served as a true sanctuary for the city. That's one of our ministries, our actual physical presence, open and hospitable, directing all who enter into a space of spiritual depth and transcendence. I suspect the way it works is that this space opens up a space inside people or resonates with that space inside each one of us. Many of you know this for yourselves. You've told me about this. Just this week, I had lunch with someone who said that the first time she stepped in here several years ago and sat down, she knew she was home. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from people over my decades here. It happened to me the first time I crossed the threshold and sat down in 1979. Now, certainly it's not true for everyone who crosses that threshold, but enough to notice and pay attention to. What is that, do you think? But I did note a common misunderstanding in our anonymous friend's logic. Did you catch it? It comes when she claims she is no fan of organized religion, but loves what our church does for her and what it evidently embodies. Now, it's common enough, of course. I've addressed this over the years, the problem with organized religion. I'm sure you've heard this, maybe even said it to yourself at some point. One, one tongue-in-cheek rejoinder goes, well then, I suppose you prefer disorganized religion then. And you know, there's plenty of that floating around in our culture. <clears throat> Disorganized, superficial, or severely tribalistic religion. Actually, I understand the feeling in the complaint. I've said it more than once. There's a whole lot of bad religion in the world. Some of it flying a Christian banner, as when a certain congresswoman recently said that the reason Jesus wound up on the cross was that the disciples didn't have enough AR-15s. All the more reason to reassert the true spirit of the gospel of Christ. Now, of course, there are a lot of flawed individuals practicing what is essentially good religion. In fact, the only sort of people I know practicing good religion are flawed, which makes organized religion subject to the full range of human potentials, much like an organized government or hospital or PTA or hedge fund or basketball team. The Al-Qaeda terrorists had to be organized to pull off the horror at the end of our island home 21 years ago. Had they been disorganized, they would never have had the necessary disciplined precision. Still, 
that's not a condemnation of organization, but what the organization was designed to deliver. It's the content of their devotion that was at fault. It really matters what we believe, what we worship, the truth we commit our lives to. If you've been around here for any length of time, you've heard me repeat that everyone has a religion, whether they're aware of it or not. As David Foster Wallace put it, in the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. There's no question everyone has a set of core operating principles that motivates their various activities and life commitments. Our anonymous friend has hers. This was implied within her thank you. No question, she was susceptible to receiving what we offer here. I can say this because what we offer is embedded within these very walls. And she deeply appreciated the hospitality of this sanctuary. And these walls reflect an astonishingly long trajectory of human history. The story of Moses up there holding the commandments dates from around 1400 BCE, 3,500 years ago. Our tradition flows forward from that. So-called organized religion in various forms has produced this space we now inhabit and now funds our ability to extend our community virtually the way a heart sends blood to all of the body's extremities. When COVID shut us down in March of 2020, I began hosting a virtual morning prayer group that met on Zoom at 8 a.m. five days a week for about 10 minutes or so. A small thing, it felt like a necessary pastoral intervention at the time, and people showed up. Now, nearly three years later, that morning prayer is still going strong, still five days a week with folks from different parts of the country tuning in to pray together, to reset the ground under their feet each day. They have extended the sanctuary of Christ Church into virtual space with a titanium thread to our fundamental mission here as we seek to love God above all things and our neighbors as ourselves. By the way, if you want, you can join them any day through our website. Christ Church is a sanctuary of relentless hospitality, affirming that all of us are welcome to God's home, all of us. That remains the most basic affirmation we make here, that we are all beloved children of God of equal worth. There's nothing we've ever done to deserve that status. It's just a given. Scripture affirms this, as does our intuition. Jesus taught this, lived this, died for this. Each one of us, child of God. All are welcome here because each one has been pre-certified as a member of the same family, emerging from the same spiritual DNA. Everyone who throws their lot in with us, child of God, even the latecomers, everywhere you look, child of God. And now, add to that salt and light. By virtue of our shared sacred genetics, we are salt and light, for the world is well. Salt and light are so basic and essential to human life 
that Jesus felt no need to spell out what this meant. That's what accepting our birthright entails, allowing our essence as salt and light to advance the message to others that they too are part of God's beloved community. And this isn't coercive or manipulative, it is declarative. Here's the good news, believe it and live it. Accepting this good news sets up an if-then logic equation. If child of God, then salt and light. Since we're all children of God, it follows that we're also salt and light. Our work and worship here allow this truth to seep way down into our deepest recesses. If child of God stands to reason, this truth will show up in our lives what we do in our life commitments, how we live, who we throw in with, how generous our love. So friends, hope for the future Sunday isn't about coercing our attitudes or squeezing our bank accounts against our will. It's not about what we ought to be or try to be. Instead, it's a moment to acknowledge, to declare who we are to boldly assert our identity, our birthright, and our work, to affirm the astonishing diversity of our family, embracing our siblings who share the same spiritual DNA. In other words, we are part of God's hope for the future, you and me. Christ's church will flourish in the years ahead. That's the call. That's on us.